So we're going to be turning to Psalms. We finished up with Luke. It was a long journey through Luke, but we're in Psalms 148, verses 1 through 14 this morning. Hear the word of the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all His hosts. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you stars of light. Praise Him, you heavens of heavens, and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for He commanded and they were created. He also established them forever and ever. He made a decree which shall not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures in all the depths. Fire and hail, snow and clouds, stormy wind, filling his, fulfilling His word. Mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars. Beasts and all cattle, creeping things and flying fowl, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all judges of the earth, both young men and maidens, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord, for His name alone is exalted. His glory is above the earth and heaven, and He has exalted the horn of His people, the praise of all His saints of the children of Israel, a people near to Him. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now there are times when you'll read the Scripture and you'll read a passage of Scripture and you'll have to really search and really dig deep to find the context, the true context of that Scripture. But I believe today that even the young people could tell me what the context of that Scripture is. What's the context of that Scripture? Were you just listening? What's the context of that scripture? Huh? Yeah. Praise. There you go. I'm glad one of them was listening. Praise is mentioned 13 times. 13 times in that passage. So, I mean, it's very easy to figure out the context of today's scripture, isn't it? And I am fairly certain that everyone knows what it means to offer praise. But just for clarification, in case you weren't listening. It's the act of expressing approval or admiration. It is commendation, it is laudation. It is offering a grateful homage of words or song. It is an act of worship. It is a hymn of praise to God. It is a state of being approved or admiring. That's what it is to praise. My friends, is that not just what we finished before I walked up here to the pulpit? Were we not praising Him? with our voices, with song, amen? We do it every week during the service. It is a very important part of our service, is it not? As a matter of fact, it may be the most important part. Some would say that it is the most important part, that we praise Him. Praise Him. The word praise comes from the Latin pretum, P-R-E-T-I-U-M. I may not have pronounced that correctly. Zoe, you're taking Latin. How do you pronounce that? Pretum. Meaning price or value. See what I was saying? Would you looking at my notes? Price or value. It is ascribing value or worth to something, right? That's what it is. We are ascribing value to something. You know, every year, I'm going off track a little bit here, every year we get... 
a tax assessment form from the Mineral County Tax Assessor. In this form, they want you, for your, your real estate property, they want you to list when you purchased it, what the value was, and what you assess it to be worth now. And then your vehicles. In West Virginia, we pay personal, pay personal property tax. They want you to list all your vehicles, your pool, your buildings, and all, all this other personal property stuff. And they want your pool, and they want you to list what year you purchased it, how much you paid for it, and what you assess it to be worth now. And sometimes I think, well, you know, let's just say you had a vehicle you, a couple years ago you paid $20,000 for. Sometimes I have a half a mind to put like $10 down <laughs> just to see if they're paying attention. And they say, you know what? They want me to do their job. They're the tax assessors, not me. But sometimes, I'm going to do that one of these days. I'm just going to put, you know, it's worth 10 bucks just to see if they call me up and say, now, Mr. Hickson, do you really think that thing's only worth $10? So I can tell you who is worth a great deal of money. Great deal. Great, you can't put a price tag on it. And that is God. I could use that as a witness tool, right? Maybe they'll call me someday. <laughs> All right. You know, at times... Mankind often bestows praise upon unworthy objects. And there are times when praise is within proper motives. We might praise someone and make them feel good to see what we can get out of them. For our own, we have our own motives. We should not praise unworthy objects, nor should we praise within proper motives. True praise should come from a sincere heart a real conviction of worth, knowing God's worth to us. There are times when men and women, young and old, children, they are the object of praise. Now don't get me wrong. It is not always wrong. It's not always wrong to praise others. Because everyone needs a little recognition for their accomplishments, right? We should get recognition or share recognition for the accomplishments of others. You know, whenever our children graduate from high school, we're going to praise them for getting straight A's and doing a wonderful job, right? <laughs> Hopefully. When our kids graduate from college, we're going to praise them and admire them for their great accomplishments. Yeah. We, we give admiration to those that, for the things that they've done. We want them to feel like they're valued, valued right? We don't want our children to go through life feeling like they're, they're not worth anything, like they're not valuable to us, right? So we want to bestow value upon them, a credit value upon them, right? Yes. That's what it is. Value. You're gonna, we're going to talk a lot about value today. We should not wait for someone to accomplish some great big accomplishment before we make them feel valuable. That's right. That's we should do it every day. Couples ought to ensure that their spouse knows that they appreciate what you do for them. Appreciate them. Not just what they do for you, but that you appreciate them. That they are valuable in your eyes. Just this past week, down at the farm working, and uh, I was tasked with the job of going down and picking some onions. And we plant these big candy onions. They get real big. So what we do is you've got to go down, you've got to pull them out of the ground, 
and you cut the root off, and then you cut the, the stem off, and you got to peel back some of the layers so it's a nice, pretty, clean, white onion to be able to sell to market. So I go down to pick onions, and one of our neighbors, neighboring farm, his name is Arnold. He's 83 years old. His wife is 74 years old. Well, they were down there getting some tomatoes for canning. So he's in his little cabote, his little side-by-side, -side, and I go down there picking onions, and Arnold says, when you get done picking them, he says, you're going to take them down there by the trees in the shade and clean them and get them ready? I said, yeah. He goes, well, he says, I'll take Linda over. He said, she wants to get started on these tomatoes. He says, and I'll come back and help you. I said, well, Arnold, you don't need to do that. He goes, no, I want to. He says, I appreciate the tomatoes. He said, I want to come back and help you. I said, well, okay. And I picked a pile of them, like nine, nine crates. I, a couple of times, I set some of them off the truck, so we're working. It took us a couple hours at least. We're working. He's like, boy, we're almost done. I said, oh, there's three more crates around the corner. He goes, oh. <laughs> but anyway, get to my story. We're there talking the whole time. We're working and talking. And Arnold shares with me that his wife, Linda, last year fell and broke one arm, and the other arm messed up her shoulder. So she had, he said, both arms were like this. He said she couldn't do anything. He says, I had to do everything. He said, I'm talking even, you know, everything. <laughs> had the dresser. He says, I had to do all the cooking, all the cleaning, everything around the house, everything that she did, I had to do plus my stuff. He goes, oh my gosh, he said. That's about the way he said it. He said, I had no idea. I had no idea she did so much. He says, and he goes, I've learned to really tell her, really tell her a lot how much I appreciate her, how much I value her. He says, and it's changed me. He says, I help a lot more than I used to. He says, I used to not help her at all around the house. He says, I help her now. He says, because now I see what she did. Husbands, are we doing that? Are we telling our wives how much we value them? How much we appreciate them? Not just what they do for us, but what they do. Amen. Wives, are you telling your husbands you appreciate them? That you value them? We, value, we should value and appreciate others. Yes, give them a little praise. It's not wrong. But with that said, we are not to seek the praise of men. We are to strive to do good, strive to be kind to one another, to do unto others, because you, as you do unto the least of these, Jesus says, you do unto me. Amen. But we are to strive to please God most of all. And praise God. Yeah. First Thessalonians 2, 4-10 through 10 says, But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God, who tests our hearts. My friends... Strive to please God, because He tests our hearts. For neither at any time did we use flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak for covetousness. God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, just as nursing mothers cherishes, as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. So affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart 
to you only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become dear to us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil, for laboring night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you, we preach to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. So we may praise and commend others for their accomplishments, for their worth, but when it comes to praise our truest and our highest praise, my friends, belongs to God. Amen. It belongs to God. Our very first verse of Psalm 148 said, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You know, the book of Psalms, the whole entire book speaks more about praise than any other book of the Bible. You can turn to almost every single chapter in the book of Psalms, and it's going to be speaking of praise. The 148th chapter is a very unique chapter. You know, I read this about a month ago. I read it while we was on vacation. And it just really spoke to my heart. It's very unique. You know, it says that the beast and the cattle are to praise him. Amen. The creeping things, the flying fowl, the eagles, you know, flying around there should be praising God. Fire and hail, snow and clouds, all these sea creatures, all that is in the depth of the sea, shall praise Him. You're like, well, how can that be? Well, in Romans 8, verse 18 through 22, it says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willing, but because of him who subjected it in, in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. My friends, when man sinned, we know that it affected the entire of creation because animals die right I mean we have our pets that we love dearly but we know that most of the time our pets will live 12 to 15 16 years they're gonna die why because man sinned we know that trees which is a living thing we know that they die you walk out into the woods you're gonna see trees laying on the ground or you're gonna look up and see trees that have no leaves because they've died right we know that sin has affected all of creation so it says that creation groans, waiting for things to be restored, right? Waiting for the sons of men to return, right? So it would only stand a reason that if creation can groan and wait with expectation, that creation can praise Him. Amen. Amen. Who is, you know, you go out on a nice spring morning or even this morning, I went out on the porch and sat because it's a nice, quiet, peaceful place. And you hear the birds are singing, right? Mm -hmm. Who's to say that those birds singing aren't praising the Lord? Right. Have you ever heard the whales? Who's to say that those beautiful noises that, well, I don't know if they're, those noises that the whale make, who's to say that they're not praising God? Deer make a lot of noises. Deer will grunt and they'll snort and they'll make all other kind of various noises. Who's to say? 
that they're not praising God? How about when the wind's blowing and the leaves are going like this? They're waving their hands and praising God. Who's to say that they aren't? How about when that ocean waves roll and clap that they're not praising God? I feel that creation, all of creation, when they're doing what God has intended it to do, they are praising God. When they are doing what they've intended them to do, they are praising their Creator. They're praising Him for His goodness, for His creative power. Let all of creation praise Him. Even the inanimate nature, even though they don't have the intelligence, they don't have the intelligence like God gives man, like we're supposed to have, right? I'll, I'll put that in there. Yeah, We're supposed to be intelligent, supposed to be intelligent enough to praise Him, but not all are. But even the inanimate nature... I believe, can praise their Creator. And I believe that they do praise their Creator. You know, they have their way of communicating, as I just spoke of. How do we know that they're together when they're communicating and they're not praising God? Yes. Christ Himself said that if man would not praise Him, that the very rocks could cry out. Right. In Luke 19, 37-40. And as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, saying, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep, yeah, that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Karen shared that just not too long ago, just a couple, a few weeks ago. That the stones would cry out. My friends, we don't want stones crying out in our place. Praise Him. Praise Him with all your heart. It says the heavenly hosts of angels are to praise Him. The Chaldee translates this, Praise the Lord, ye holy creatures from the heavens. Praise Him, ye armies of supreme angels. Praise Him, all ye angels who minister before Him. So the most important thing is not whether or how the inanimate things praise Him, but that we who have breath praise Him. Amen. That we who are created in the image of God would praise Him. That we who has given intelligence would praise Him. Verses 11 through 13 said, Kings of the earth and all peoples. My friends, are you part of that all? Amen. All peoples, princes and all judges of the earth, both young men and maidens, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord. And His name alone is exalted. His glory is above the earth and the heaven. Let all that has breath, praise Him. I found an illustration, a story told by Lewis Albert Banks. He says that the body is not crippled till the heart has ceased to praise. He tells of an elderly Christian man, a fine singer, who learned that he had cancer of the tongue and that surgery was required. He said that in the hospital, after everything was ready for the operation, the man said to the doctor, Are you sure that I will never sing again? 
The surgeon found it very difficult to answer his question. He just had to merely shake his head no. The patient then asked if he could set up for a moment. He says, I've had many good times singing praises to God. He says, I now tell you, now you tell me that I can never sing again. He says, I have one song that will be my last. It will be a song of gratitude and praise to my God. So there in the presence of that doctor and the nurses, the man softly sang the words of Isaac Watts' hymn, I will praise my maker while I have breath. I looked that song up and found it, and I want to read that song to you. I'm not going to, I'm going to spare you. I'm not going to sing it to you because David would turn me down. <laughs> he turned me off. <laughs> so I'm going to read it to you. I will praise my maker while I have breath. And when my voice is lost in death, praise shall employ my nobler powers. My days of praise shall ne'er be passed while life and thought and being last or, or immortality endures. Happy are those whose hopes rely on Israel's God, who made the sky and earth and seas with all their train, whose truth forever stands secure, who saves the oppressed and feeds the poor, for none shall find God's promise vain. The Lord pours eyesight on the blind, the Lord supports the fainting mind, and sends the laboring conscious peace. God helps the stranger in distress, the widow and the fatherless. And grants a prisoner sweet release. I'll praise my God who lends me breath. And when my voice is lost in death, praise shall employ my nobler powers. My days of praise shall ne'er be passed, while life and thought and being last, or immortality endures. My friends, again, let everything that have breath praise Him. Revelations. Revelation 4, 9-11. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to Him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before Him who sits on the throne and worship Him who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For You created all things, and by Your will they exist and were created. My friends... Amen. Again, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, honor, and power. He is worthy. John the Revelator gives us an example, or gives us a glimpse, rather, into the throne of God and the activity that takes place there. And praising God is a big part of what goes on in heaven. Amen. The elders fall down and they worship and they put their crowns before Him because He is the one who created all things. He is the one who sustains all things, friends. He is worthy. He is worthy of all of our praise. As long as we have breath, He is worthy. So do you ascribe value and worth to God? How could you, what, what, what value would you apply to God, ascribe to God? I don't think I mean, He's more precious than gold, more beautiful than silver, or all those things. He is more valuable than anything, anything on this earth. He has created all things, sustains all things, gives life to all things. He gives us hope. He gives us the hope of eternal life. How can people not praise Him? Might be a good question to ask. How could they not praise Him?
John Wesley, when he was about 21 years of age, John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, he went to Oxford University. He came from a Christian home, and he was gifted with a keen mind, but also good looks. But yet in those days, when he first went to Oxford, he was a bit of a snobbish young man, and a little bit sarcastic. I didn't know that until I found this information. One night, however, something happened that set in motion a change in John Wesley's heart. While speaking with a porter, he discovered that the poor fellow had only one coat and lived in such impoverished conditions that he didn't even have a bed. Yet he was an unusually happy person, filled with gratitude to God. So Wesley, being immature and thoughtless as he was at that time, joked about the man's misfortunes. And what else do you thank God for? He said with a bit of sarcasm. The porter smiled in the spirit of meekness replied with joy, I thank Him that He has given me life, given me my life, and a heart to love Him. Amen. And above all, a constant desire to serve Him. Amen. Deeply moved, Wesley recognized that this man knew the meaning of true thankfulness and true praise. And he gave great value to God. Many years later, in 1791, as John Wesley lay on his deathbed at the age of 88, those who gathered around him realized how well he had learned the lesson of praising God in every circumstance. Despite his extreme weakness, he began to sing that same hymn that I just read to you. I'll praise my Maker while I have breath. That story was found in our daily bread. Are we in that place in our relationship with God? that we can say that while I have breath, I will praise my Maker. I pray that we are there. I pray that we will praise Him as long as we have breath in these lungs. As long as He's given us life, let us praise the One who created all things, the One who made us in His own image. Amen.